thank you all for coming to this session, which is at the most ridiculous time slot of the session of the conference. Um, basically, what we're going to do is this is designed to give you some information and guidelines about the paper uh, proposal process for the annual meetings, um, looking at it especially from the side of those reading the proposal. which to which program units you want to submit your proposal. 
And the notes that are in here have really important information that not everyone pays attention to, um, which leads to frustration on my part. Uh, so the first thing is you should select your program units in your order of preference. Um, and this basically comes down to if two units want to accept your proposal, um, it'll go to the one that is listed first. Uh, they have kind of first dibs in a sense on that. Um, then second, if you are submitting your proposal to a potential co-sponsored session, um, you should not choose both individual program units. Um, so the AAR allows you to submit up to two proposals each year. And basically, if you select the two individual program units, that uses up all of your possible proposals. Um, as you can see from this uh, image, this is the uh, Religion in Europe call from 2019. Uh, and we had, as you can see at the bottom, several potential co-sponsored sessions. Um, and these are ones that Description section. So first, 
make the thesis of your paper abundantly clear. <laughs> um, it's not enough to just describe your general topic of research or your type, general area of research. You'd be surprised at how many do that. Um, what the reviewers are looking when we read this section, kind of first and foremost, is, is there a clear argument and is it an argument that could be made in a 15 to 20 minute presentation? Um, also in this section, you should set your paper in the state of the field. Uh, so you wanna show that you know scholarship in your primary area of research. Um, but one of the things to also keep in mind, especially with AAR proposals, is that it's not a guarantee that anyone on the committee is gonna be an expert in your specific area of research. So in showing the state of the field, you do have to kind of keep that in mind as well. Um, show why your paper matters. Uh, what, is it, what are the stakes if your argument is successful? Why should we, as the reviewers, be interested in your paper? Um, and also, very, very importantly, uh, show clearly how your paper relates to the topics in the call for papers. Um, I normally do this by just basically just borrowing language directly from the call for papers. Um, so I have an example. My paper from last year <coughs> for the uh, Theology and Religious Reflection Unit, they had asked for papers uh, based on the topic or answering the question, what is the discipline of academic theology? So my description, as you can see here in response to this, says, in this paper, I will look historically at theology in the 17th century, comparing methods and qualifications that made someone an academic theologian with more general understandings of theology to draw insights for our understanding of academic theology today. My underlying question is, what happens to our understanding of the discipline of theology when we look at it historically? What happens about our understanding of theology today when we look historically at the academic context of the university, which by its nature prohibited women's contributions. So, as you can see here, um, I have reflected the exact language of the question in my proposal. So I talk about an academic theologian and academic theology, which was the kind of main topic. I also use the language of the discipline of theology. So I. I'm showing very clearly that I'm responding to the call for papers by echoing the language that they use there. Uh, so my general approach, um, and obviously you don't have to follow this, but I found this works fairly well, um, is to set up my description section using three paragraphs or three sections. Um, and so in the first, I connect my topic and paper directly to the call for papers. The quote that I had on that previous slide came from basically my opening section of my proposal from last year. Uh, in the second section, I provide a historical context for my topic, and this is where I connect my paper to relevant scholarship in the field. Um, so to again give you an example from uh, my proposal from last year, and uh, I won't read this whole thing to you, um, but I basically demonstrate that I understand key scholarship on the development of uh, theology in 17th century France. Um, so looking both at the academic context of the universities and the rise of mystical theology and theology based on experience. So as you can see, 
Um, I have the first one about kind of general scholastic theology, scholasticism in the university context, then one that's specifically about the Sorbonne during this period, and then the last text is about um, mystical theology. Uh, yes, so, um, and then in the last paragraph of the section, I uh, outline my argument and its significance. So here, in this case, you can see my main argument was that academic theology benefits from a broader understanding of its nature, which we can find by looking into the 17th century to compare the locations and methods of theology produced by men and women. And then the significance is not just rooted in history for me, but as I show here, has a broader significance for the understanding of women's voices today. So again, just be very clear about what your argument is and what the point is that you want to make. Um, above all, of course, in your proposals, be formal, professional, and clear in your writing. Um, so if the reviewers cannot understand what you mean, um, whereas with my students, I will often try very hard to understand what they meant, um, we will not always give <laughs> the proposals that benefit of the doubt, um, and we will probably not accept your proposal if it's not clear. Um, oh, and the one thing I wanted to say, sorry, about the uh, citations of the scholarship. Um, you know, you can do that however works for you. I find just kind of giving the title, the author title and the date is sufficient. Some people include like a bibliography because they have the space, so um, you don't have to necessarily do exactly what I do in that case. Okay, now the second part that I want to uh, talk about kind of together is the title and the abstract. I'm going to focus a little bit more on the abstract. Now, for the abstract, you have this maximum of 150 words. And although, as you saw in the, when I went through the structure of the proposal system, the proposal system is set up so you insert the title, your description, and then the abstract. However, when we get your proposal, we see your title, abstract, and then the description. So the abstract is very important in that way. Um, it's going to be the first, thing, the title and the abstract together are the first thing that we're going to read from your proposal. So um, it'll set, ultimately set the tone for reading your description. Um, and so that's why it's of such importance. Uh, think of the abstract as the opportunity to get people interested in your paper. And this is not only getting the reviewers interested in your paper, of course, but this is what goes into all of the AAR publications. So it's also about getting, um, you know, people considering attending your presentation interest in uh, coming to your session. Um, and I will say, on a few occasions, I've left comments um, about the papers, the proposals that I'm reviewing, that the description seems really good and really interesting. But the abstract is just so dull and <laughs> uninteresting that you know if we accept this paper, we should have the person rewrite the abstract. I will also say that ultimately, on all those occasions, we opted to go for other papers. So um, you know, take that we will. So a good abstract includes uh, key information, basically about what your paper is about. Um, namely, I would say the context subjects, claim for significance, the theoretical framework or method that you're using, argument and evidence, and evidence, of course, could include 
um, text to be analyzed, the sources of your research. Um, so you want to write something up that includes all this key information, but also you know makes it interesting and in, inviting for people to uh, come to. So again, I will show you my abstract from last year, um, and I'm sorry for the the color for the argument section is is a little bit light. Um, but you can see that I've tried to include all of the key information um, in this abstract. So I start off with the subject where I say I'm comparing academic to non-academic theology in the, the context then of 17th century France and the Jansenist controversy. My evidence, um, I'm not as specific in this as I could have been, but I'm comparing uh, Antoine Arnaud's writing to the nuns at Port Royal, um, specifically actually his sister. Uh, and then my method is comparing it in two ways, locations and the, the locations and conditions in which the theology was produced and the methods and uh, contents of that theology. Then my argument, clearly stating I argue based on these comparisons that academic theology benefits from a broader understanding of its nature because my claim for significance, I'm concerned about women's voices. Uh, so you can see how I've included all of those things in this uh, very short, 150 word abstract. So these are the basic components of the proposal. Um, what I want to give you is uh, a few do's and don'ts uh, that are important. And some of these are based on kind of the bad proposals that I've read. So um, first, do include references to scholarly literature rather than just speaking vaguely about the state of the field. Um, people want to know that you know. This is in the abstract. Is in the abstract. No, in the description. Oh, okay. Yes, definitely in the description. Um, yes, most of my do's and don'ts here are focusing on the description section, not the abstract. Um, so generally, your paper is going to end up rated lower if you don't show that you're setting your argument in a specific field of scholarship. Uh, second, do show that you can explain your argument to someone outside of your discipline area. Strive very much for clarity in this. Um, generally, as I said, you cannot guarantee that the reviewers uh, will be familiar with your specific disciplinary area. Also, at the AAR, of course, audience for sessions is often going to be mixed. You're not necessarily only speaking to specialists in your area. Um, so you want to show in your proposal that you can speak uh, to those unfamiliar with your discipline about your research. Third, do show that your paper has enough focus, uh, especially that you can present it in only 15 to 20 minutes. Um, a good approach for this, of course, is presenting your research as a question to be answered or a puzzle to be solved, as long as it can be reasonably done so in the time limit. So um, the meaning of life might not be a good puzzle to be solved, but the way one specific author in a specific context approached the question of the meaning of life might be fair game. Um, fourth, as I said previously, do not have to use the full 1,000 word description. If, you know, don't force yourself to make it longer than you need. But do make sure that you fully explain your paper. Um, as I said, if the reviewers still have questions after reading your proposal, it will likely not be accepted. And finally, do not just copy the 150 word abstract into the description field. 
This is more common than you might think. Um, it is quite possibly my biggest pet peeve as a reviewer. Um, I wrote here, there is almost no chance that we will accept a proposal done in this way. I can tell you from Religion in Europe, we will not accept a proposal done this way. I can't speak for the other units, but I will say that they probably won't. Um, because basically, you are competing against people who took this long description field to fully explain their paper. So there's no comparison in that sense. Um, they explained their argument, they explained the relevance, um, so there's not enough to kind of put your paper above theirs in that case. Okay, so I've mentioned um, acceptance and ratings of papers a few times so far, so what I wanna end with is basically explaining the review process. Um, so you can understand basically what the reviewers are looking at when we evaluate your papers. And the different units do have slightly different processes for review. Um, I know some units get together via Skype to talk about the papers. Um, my unit does everything by email, in part because we're in such drastically different time zones. We have people in the United States, we have people in Europe, we have someone now in Australia, so um, we do everything by email. But this is generally how the process goes. So, the first step is the steering committee reads all the proposals and then ranks them on this scale of one to five stars. And the numbers associated with this, these stars uh, correspond to poor, fair, good, very good, and excellent options. Um, when we review the papers, we can also leave comments about the paper. Um, I always do this so that I can jog my memory later when we're having conversations about the paper, but I know not everybody does. Um, the comments tend to focus first on the paper itself. Um, so does maybe the argument need to be developed more? Uh, does the paper need to be more clear? Um, does it need a more specific connection with scholarly literature? You can also uh, address uh, the connection with the unit or the call for papers, or other papers that we've already received and reviewed. Um, for example, with the Religion in Europe unit in particular, we're often noting, well, maybe the connection to Europe isn't entirely clear, um, or it's not central enough to the proposal for us as a unit to be sponsoring this paper. So that's the first part of the review process. After everyone has read and ranked the proposals, we then put together sessions based on common themes of the proposals that we receive. So what we do in Religion in Europe is um, I put together a list of the proposals according to rankings from highest to lowest. Um, in general, we will not uh, pick any papers that were rated an average of uh, less than three stars. Um, we generally try and only pick ones that are ranked even higher than that, um, but there are actually other factors that come into play at this point in the process. Um, so first, we're often negotiating with other units about co-sponsorships. So I talked about the ones that we proposed in advance. We can create new co-sponsorships depending on the papers that we receive as well. We have to decide whether we want to pursue the ones that we initially proposed. Um, get, and in this case, the general rankings of the proposals on that topic is a huge factor in making those decisions. It's really important not to take rejection of your AAR proposal personally, necessarily, I will say. So, 
if you follow all of this advice and write a really good proposal, you can still be rejected based on what other proposals we receive. Um, so we, and this has happened, you can receive one really excellent proposal on a topic that we have in our call for papers. It's up at the top of our rankings, but every single other proposal we received on that topic was awful, or we didn't receive any other proposals on that topic. Um, so a good proposal could very well be rejected, not because it was your fault, <laughs> but because there just weren't enough good proposals that we could put together a good session on the topic. Um, so this is unfortunately the point where your acceptance is no longer in your control. Um, it does depend on what other people submit as well as um, kind of what you do for your proposal. So um, at this point, I'd like to kind of open up the space for questions. Um, I will answer them to the best of my ability, and we can just have a conversation for however long you want about this. So. Yeah. What role does the title play in the interview process? Is it like a catchy title or anything make a difference? Or? Yeah, it can, yes. <laughs> um, it's similar um, to the abstract. Um, I definitely, especially now that I've been doing this for eight years, um, like if it's a dull title, I'm like, oh, I don't want to read this, you know? <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, having, a, it goes along with the abstract. Having a good title and abstract is very uh, good. It helps.